how far are you willing to go to help somebody else? How much are you willing to give? Everything you own? All that you have? Would you be willing to risk your life? If someone needed you, family or friend, even though your schedule was packed, would you tell them that? That you'll help them as soon as you have time? Making them wait till later? Or would you let them get the help they need? Would you help them right then and there? Rearranging your schedule for them. The Bible is full of incidences where people went far out of their way to help others. The paralyzed man whose four friends wanted to help him so much that they literally made a hole in the roof so that they could lower him down. The story of the Good Samaritan where he sees a man beat up. Notices that the man is the kind of man that you he doesn't necessarily get along with and it's not like he doesn't like him it's that there are issues between them as a people and yet he stops he helps the man and he even takes him to an inn and says you know what take care of him and if he proves to be more expensive you know what I'll come back and I'll settle it up Now, what do these people did was not necessary, but they did it anyway. They went beyond what they should. Beyond what most of us would do to try to help. Mother Teresa lived among the sick and dying for many years and cared for them. Why? Well, someone asked her that exact question. Why do you help them? Why do you care? And she replied, because I see Christ in these people and I want to comfort him. We, we can't see Christ. However, our neighbors we can see. And we can do for them what we, if we would see him, would do for Christ. Now, if Christ were to show up in need of something, we'd probably help him right away, right? Hopefully, as Christians. But Mother Teresa was saying, you know what? It doesn't matter. If I can see Christ with my own eyes, I see my neighbors. I should treat them like I would treat Christ. Sounds like a nice way to live your life, right? Now you know why she was just declared a saint. The Bible mentions it. Matthew 25, verses 34 through 40. Talks about helping others and those who refrain. Matthew 25, 34 through 30 says this. 
Then the king will say to those on his right, Come, you will be blessed by my father. Take your inheritance, the kingdom prepared for you since the creation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty, and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger, and you invited me in. I needed clothes, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you looked after me. I was in prison, and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will say to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you? Or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see you a stranger and invite you in, or needing clothes and clothe you? <laughs> when did we see you sick or in prison and go to see you? And the king replied, I tell you the truth. Whatever you did for the least of these brothers of mine, you did for me. Whatever you did to the least, whatever you did for them, you've done it for me. Paul knew about helping others too. Philippians 2, 1 through 4 says this, If you have any encouragement from being united with Christ, if any comfort from his love, if any fellowship with the Spirit, if any tenderness and compassion, then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in the Spirit and purpose. Do nothing out of conceit, but in humility consider others better than yourselves. Each of you should look not only to your own interest, but also to the interest of others. Paul gives us three very important things to take home from this then that we're going to look at today. First, there is no joy, or there is joy in being like Christ in tenderness and compassion, being one with the Spirit. There's joy in helping others. Second, we should, do, we should not do anything in order to further our own purpose. But rather, whatever we do, we should do in humility. And third, we should look after the needs of others. Our final charge in our month-long theme of going forth is that. To do nothing out of selfish ambition. But to judge others more important than ourselves. Going forth and helping them. And when we do these things, we're filled with joy, for there is joy in putting Jesus first. We teach the kids a little song. J-O-Y, J-O-Y, that must surely mean Jesus first, yourselves last, and others in between. There's joy in helping others. In Luke, Jesus shared the parable of a good Samaritan to illustrate a point. And in 10, verse 25 of chapter Luke, or in Luke, he says, when asked what must be done to inherit everlasting life, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength, and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as... 
yourself. That was the answer Jesus was looking for. But when they posed another question in verse 29, they go, well, who's my neighbor? And then that's when Jesus tells them the parable of the Good Samaritan. Verse 30 in chapter Luke, or in Luke chapter 10 says, In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, while he fell into the hands of robbers. They had stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. A priest, a leader of the faith didn't have the time and didn't want to be bothered. So he crossed the street to get away from the man in need. So to a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. Someone who was supposed to respect the law, to keep it, saw someone in need and still ignored him. And finally, a Samaritan as he traveled came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him, and he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, took him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two silver coins and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I will return, I will reimburse you for any expenses you may have. Jesus then asked the question, who was his neighbor? Was it those who physically would be considered neighbors because they were close by? They may have lived in the same neighborhood. They may have gone to the same temple kind of thing. Were those his neighbors? But verse 37 says they understood where Jesus was going because they said it was the one who had mercy on him. So it was the good Samaritan. Now, in every sense of the word neighbor in a physical sense, the Samaritan and the man who had fell into hands of robbers who was an Israelite, they would have never been considered neighbors. In fact, To put it in terms we'd understand, they would have been considered people from the opposite sides of the track. The Samaritan would be from the bad side of town. Yet the ones from the right side of town weren't the ones who didn't stop. And in verse 37, they said, hey, it's the one who had mercy on him. Proving that it had nothing to do with what many think is the typical term of neighbor. It was those who helped. Those who cared. Neighbor isn't about physical location. And honestly, it has nothing to do about who we are on the outside at all. It's a decision we make to be someone's neighbor and to act as someone's neighbor. The Good Samaritan knew that helping others was important. He didn't have to help. (laughs) There were people who didn't. Yet he was like-minded with Christ in having tenderness and compassion. 
He found joy in helping, joy in serving. That's why he did it. There is joy in helping others, yet we must remember that whatever we do when we help other people, let's not do it to say, look at me and look what I did. How many of us have ever had somebody help out or seen someone who helped out and then tell about it? We live in a social media world, don't we? Where it's one thing just to help someone to feel good about yourself. It's another thing to help someone so that everyone sees what you did. Oh, look at them and what they did. How nice was that? And that's what we're looking for. A pat on the back for what we've done. It warns us, though, the Bible does, against helping others out of selfish ambition. To give without acknowledgement from others that you give is what we should do. The person working the kettle during the Christmas season, he may not know exactly how much each person is putting in. But regardless of whatever is going in that bucket, we challenge those bell ringers with saying thank you, God bless you, and have a good day. Merry Christmas to each and every person, even those who may not even give. Because you never know how you're helping someone just by a kind word. I've been in cities where during the Christmas season you have people who leave large anonymous gifts in the kettle. Now they could take credit for it, but that would kind of defeat the purpose of what an anonymous gift is. To give from the heart. Serving out of humility without seeking recognition in return. And so the question is, is what motivates us to do what we do? Do we do it because the Bible tells us to? Or do we do it so that others can look at us and say, oh, aren't you nice? Aren't you a good person? Do we do it to show off? Or do we do it because it's the right thing to do? Are we truly finding joy in what it means to serve others? Are we willing to give from our heart to God and to offer a hand to our fellow man because doing so makes us happy? It's not about what we can get out of it, but what we can give to others. And in doing so, what we give to God. The Bible tells us that with humility comes wisdom and honor, and that those who exalt themselves will be humbled, but those who are humble will be exalted. Whatever we do, when we go forth in service, let us strive to do it from a place of humility. And finally, 
There is joy in serving others, and it is pleasing to God when we do so out of humility from the kindness of our heart. And when we put self-interest behind the interest of others. One of the best examples we can follow in that is Jesus. who literally put his own interests behind him to the point where he sacrificed his life. Matthew 26, 39 is a verse that we may talk about during Good Friday, but during the rest of the year we may not think about it. Matthew 26, verse 39 says this, Going a little further, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My Father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me. Here he is knowing what is coming. Knowing the crucifixion awaits him. And he prays. If it is possible. In other words, if my life doesn't need to be sacrificed, then remove this cup from me. But he doesn't stop there though. This is what he says next that strikes me, that teaches us what it means to put our own interest last. Yet not as I will, but as you will. Not my will, but yours, God, be done. He says the same thing in verse 42. He knew that his death on the cross was meant for something big. What it would mean to all of mankind, what it would mean to us sitting here today. And that is why he surrendered himself to God's will. He knew how important his death would be for us and that it would allow us to be washed by his blood and to be able to have a closer relationship with God. Jesus asked if it was possible, if a price could be paid without him dying then maybe he could be spared. Yet if his death was the only way that the price could be paid, he would gladly sacrifice himself. He would live in accordance with God's will and die according to that will. Ultimately putting the whole world's interest, our interest, before his very own life. We are urged to be Christ-like, and if Christ was willing to put others' interest, our interest, before his own, then we should be willing to do likewise. 1 Corinthians 10.24 says this, Nobody should seek his own good but the good of others. Romans 15.1-3 tells us that we should not please ourselves, but that we should please our neighbors, for even Christ did not please himself. And so in an effort for us to go forth as we are discharged into this world and given this commission to see through, the greatest lesson for us to learn is to be like Christ. And to help others, to set that example by being Christ-like and to teach others about him so that they too may follow his example. 
It might cost us something. It might cost us time. It may cost us money. It may cost us energy. We may have to give of ourselves and sacrifice some things we want to do in order to be of service to him. But seeing as how Jesus gave his life for us because he put our interest before his own, how can we be so jealous about not giving him a little bit of our time? There is truly joy to be found when we serve others, humbly putting their needs before our own. And we are being charged today to go forth, to not just understand that, to not just pay that lip service, but to live it out, to put it into action, to truly help others. We have learned what it means to serve others. We've learned what it means to go forth. We've learned what it means to put our faith into action. This whole month we've spent time looking at it. We've learned the tools we need. The Bible and God and prayer. And as we conclude this month, look at it. I challenge you all to not just listen, but to do. To not just know, but to live. Pope Francis, right before he was elected, was telling the bishops that he would like to stress those words. Go forth. Now he was given this charge to what he wanted to focus, what he wanted the Catholic Church to focus on. But it's something that all Christian churches could focus on because they echo those words we read in Matthew earlier. Put simply, he says, there are two images of a church, a church that evangelizes and goes out of herself by hearing the word of God and reverence and proclaiming it with faith, and the worldly church living within herself, for herself, of herself, and we should not be the latter. I heard it said, it says the church is not meant to be a museum or a monument, but a movement. We should be this first image he describes of a church that evangelizes and goes out of herself. If we see the same people in here every single day and never said a different word, never speak to another person about Christ and never invite them here, then sadly we are failing to live up to the charge that we have been given. Church is not a social club where we come and hang out with the same people every single day. It's instead a place for those who need to know the Lord to come and to feel closer to Him and to be encouraged by spending time with others who are seeking after him as well. We are challenged to go forth into this world 
to wage war against what the world is doing. To tell them of the love of God and to show them that love. Like that song said, may we fight in only love, right? Every time for our altar this past month, we've listened to that song, and we're going to listen to it again during this prayer time. And we're going to ask those questions. You're going to ask them to yourself. You're going to take some time in prayer. Are you helping others the way you should? Or are you sitting on the sidelines waiting for others? I mean, we talked about the Good Samaritan. How many of those, those first two who passed, maybe thought that, you know what, they didn't have to stop because somebody else would come along? Have we ever done that? Seen somebody in need and said, well, the next person will help him. Someone who has time will stop. Somebody who's better at it than me. Somebody who this, somebody who that. The moment we have to start making excuses to justify ourselves so that we don't feel bad, that's when we know that something should be done and that we should be the one doing it. Because I tell you now, if you feel bad and you start making excuses to justify your behavior, that's the Lord trying to convict you to change it. And so, as the song plays, we're going to invite you to take this time and just spend it in prayer. Because not only is it a song for our prayer, but it's our charge to go forth, to fight in only love. Maybe we've grown weary. Maybe we've grown tired. Maybe we think there's someone out there who's better suited to it than we are. But he has called each and every one of us. He has a plan for each and every one of us to help him. Father of this army, Captain What we need to be willing to do is to surrender ourselves to his will glory fill the earth as this world grows colder may your troops be bolder may we fight with only love
that you have given us the word in prayer and reveal your will to us so that we might live in accordance to it direct our paths Lord and reveal your way to us and Lord help us to be bold servants for you we pray these things in the name of Jesus Amen <laughs> 